What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast, right here on SB Nation, ready for another week of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. The Buccaneers coming off of a victory over the Atlanta Falcons that gets them sole possession of first place in the NFC South. And this week, they will head back on the road to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. We will talk about all of that and more on today's pod. As I said, this is Downey and Martez. I am the Downey half of this dynamic duo. I am Trey Downey. We are a Bucks Nation podcast, so follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com on the regular for everything involving your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And my co-host, the Martez half of this dynamic duo, he would like to think he is the better half of this dynamic duo. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. He's the one. He's the only. Lynn Martez. What's up, man? It doesn't matter what I think. It's a matter what the people think. And the people will tell you. You people. They will tell you, I am the better half. So it's not what I say. It's what the people say. And they know. Because I'm for the people. All right. A ton to get to on this week's show. We'll preview the Steelers game coming up this weekend in just a little bit. But first, we're going to look back to Atlanta. And a lot of people want to focus on the penalties and the non-penalties that happened near the end of the game. We'll get to that in just a moment, Lynn. But last week, I asked you how surprised in week five of the NFL season were you that this game between the Bucks and the Falcons was for first place. You said you were very surprised. The Bucks have some calls go their way at the end at the end of the game not the only reason that they won that game but it's a very close game closer game than you and I I think expected and that most expected against Atlanta without their best running back in Cordero Patterson and without the one weapon that you said you were most afraid of on this week's show last or on last week's show in Kyle Pitts so the Bucks get the W they hold first place in the NFC South they're back over 500 but is the fact that that game was as close as it was is that worrisome for you and is there anything specific from the performance that uh worries you about the bucks going forward two things one is the performance as a whole doesn't worry me because it's still week five if you tell me this game took place week 12 week 16 week 17 then i'd have issues The second issue I have, and you asked me what may be alarming to me in regards to the result of the game, it's not so much the result because you talked about the game being close. The second half was close. They they dominated, the Bucs dominated the first half. They had two drives of 13 plays that led to 10 points, which gave them the 13-point lead in the first half. They outgained them in the first half, almost 300 yards to 89 yards. So it wasn't a close game. It was a close game because of the second half. And (laughs) the all-pro linebacker told you why, and that being Devin White. Yeah, I was going to get into that. That's worrisome. Yeah, who after the game stated the fact that you kind of get bored when you're blowing teams out. That's not what you want to hear in the NFL because as – Sunday showed you 
And if a call, couple of calls go the other way, Sunday's game could end up being the Bucks leaving Ray J two and three. But that's not what alarms me. It's how the Falcons got back into the game. I mentioned having only 89 total yards in, this, in the first half. But they ran for 150-plus yards in the game without Patterson. And, yeah, some of it was Marcus Mariota, who got sacked five times. But this is two weeks in a row, man. Teams are running on you. And what speaks to some of that is the fact that, you know, you look at this team, and I mentioned Devin White. You know who leads his teams in sacks? An inside linebacker. That ain't supposed to be. You told me that edge rusher linebacker leads your team in sacks. Okay, I get that. You want to tell me T.J. White leads the league in NFL sacks? I get that. He's outside. That's his job. They're using Devin White as a blitzer, and he's leading your team in sacks. Hello, where are the ends on this team? All right? You're talking about guys who make a lot of money. Shaq Barrett, God bless him. He's done what he's done here in Tampa Bay. <laughs> I mean, you took him for a team where he was second or third on the depth chart, and you made him a, a pro bowler here in Tampa Bay. But that pro bowler needs to step up because now when you're talking about five games in and you got two sacks and you got an inside linebacker that has more than you and you got a nose tackle in Vita Vea who's got two and a half and you got two at the five games, no, dude, that's not going to work. Because you start averaging in the South, and all of a sudden you get in week 16 and 17, and you got six, seven, eight sacks. No, not with this, what this team lost over the offseason from Ndamukong Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul. You need more from the defensive ends on this football team. And that goes to stopping the daggone run. Is that part of the reason why Shaq Barrett's off to a slow start, though? His supporting cast, a lot of people... You're you pointing out Shaq Barrett, who I mean, in without considering the money that he's making and stuff, you look at an eight sack season, eight nine sack season. That's very solid. Even though with the money he's making, you want to get you want to get in double digits every year. But that's a, say, that's that's a regression, dude. That's a regression. A lot of people are mentioning Joe Tryon Shoinka as like the MIA party and all of this instead instead of Shaq. Rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going, no, but I'm going to the head dog. Okay? okay. I'm going to the big dog in that, in that defensive lineman room. Okay. I'm going after the guy. Again, that makes the most money. You want to tell me about Joe Tryon? Shayanka? Okay. That's fine. I mean, nine's in, you know, nine, nine is still wet behind the ears. As far as the start is concerned on a football team. Shaq Barrett's not. So this is this is why you this is why you nearly got franchised. This is why you made the money you're making, man. This is why this is why you know the dilemma was when he was a free agent with other good players on his football team. You had the dilemma of thinking whether or not you're going to franchise him, right? We, we, we yeah. went through that. So that's I mean, again, that's where he's at. That's the status that he has. And because of that status, you want to talk about other guys who haven't stepped up? Okay, I get it. But the big dog is Shaq Barrett. The big dog that's supposed to have those sacks is Shaq Barrett. All those other guys, okay, they give you something? Okay, that's, dude, that's B, C, and D. All right, but A, 
A, <laughs> Shaq Barrett. So let's move over to the offensive side of the ball and talk about some things that were a positive from this game. And I think it's the running backs and the running backs in the passing game. Leonard Fournette has 10 catches and look at some of the blitz pickups that young Rashad White has and listen to the broadcasters who go into these meetings with Tom Brady to talk about the team earlier in the week and Tom Brady just glowingly talk about Rashad White and what he thinks that he can be in this league. I think that the Bucks. I mean, I criticized how much they ran Leonard Fournette early in the early in the season, but I think as this season progresses, I think what Fournette has done so far in the passing game, and I think having White continue to develop and to continue to develop that trust with Tom Brady is a huge aspect of this team moving forward, and I think has been a bright spot for this football team so far. No doubt, I, I don't disagree. Um, I will say this much, and as much as I like seven, and look, he had 10 catches. He led the team in targets and catches on Sunday, and he's going to for a lot of the season. Tried to tell you that a couple of weeks ago when it came to getting the weapons, okay, that were on his football team. Look at it now, right? A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, New Orleans went through all that. And my thinking was, that's your best playmaker when you don't have the players you know that you're missing. That's why I said that then. It wasn't a matter of, hey, let's be conservative. Run the football, run the football, run the football. That was your best playmaker. And even now, from the standpoint of, you could talk about it being, you know, a little bit bland, but that's what he's getting. So when it comes to Fournette, again, he's leading the team in targets, or he did on Sunday, and he's getting 14 rushes so when you talk about the you know the total yards in the game it's up there you bring up white and his blitz pickup look if you're a rookie in this league and week five and week six you got the trust of that dude who's behind you that's what i was talking about before too you know he's grown in regards to that because rookies don't come in this league and all of a sudden, hey, <laughs> you're gonna be the third down back or you're gonna be there on passing downs and you're gonna have to pick up the blitz the blitz pickup and all that. God bless him because what he's learning in the classroom, he's doing it on a football field on Sundays and he's gained the trust of that dude. And that's huge, dude. Listen, you can't almost, you can't not be a good or be required to be a good catching running back in a Brady, in a Brady led offense. His whole career, he's had those guys. All the way back to Kevin Falk. His whole career, he's had those guys, right? I mean, those guys went from they went from New England to other places like the Giants and tried to make you know try to make do there. It's like, nah, dude, <laughs> we don't do it like New England does it. We don't do it like that dude does it, right? You seen guys sign with with the Tennessee Titans and you know Deion Lewis's of the world yep. leave New England and they go other places. Like, nah, dude, we don't do it like Tom does it here. We don't do it like that dude does it. Because like I said, you can't help but be be good in pass catching downs and be on Tom Brady's team. Because if you can't do that, dude, you're not gonna be there. But credit to Rashad White, who uh who's done it and also has made a guy that I thought was gonna be something on his football team in 2022, and Keyshawn Vaughn, absolute. Like, yeah. like, like put a big old X on him, dude. Like, yeah, 
You gone. All right, now let's get into it. The penalties, they were the big topic on social media after the game, not just on Bucks Twitter, but all the NFL. When people see that clip of that roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett, which effectively iced the game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But as I said, when I first brought it up, it's not the only reason that the, the Bucks won this game. As you mentioned, they were up 21-0. Atlanta scores 15 points in the fourth quarter. I want to attack it from from this way because we can get into how egregious it was. Yes, it was a very egregious call and I'm going to get into in a minute why I don't see those calls necessarily getting better anytime soon. But I want to get into the reaction a little bit. And a lot of Bucks fans went out on social media and tried to justify that call on Grady Jarrett with the non-call on the pass interference on Scotty Miller right before. And growing up, I'm sure you, everyone's heard this from your mother, two wrongs don't make a right. And you can be a good Bucks fan and still point out that that was, up until this point, one of the most egregious roughing the passer calls in NFL history. That was not one of the most egregious non-calls on a pass interference that I'd ever seen. Could it have been justified if it was called? Yes. But I'll just say this. Like, when you're a fan of something, you don't have to praise every single thing that goes their way and be like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal just because you're you're a fan of it. You can still be a fan of the Bucks and be happy that they won and see a break go their way, but you don't have to say, oh, it's okay just because of that non-call on the pass interference of Scotty Miller. That's that's kind of how I wanted to attack the reaction from Bucks fans specifically to that pass interference or to that non-call or to that call of roughing the passer on Grady Jarrett. When it comes to something like that, it's real simple for me. Open your eyes, not your heart. That's all it is. Open your eyes. When it comes to whatever penalties you want to bring up or whatever penalties you want to hang your hat on that weren't called earlier or were called and weren't in favor of your football team, open your eyes. One call, if it's, if it's blatantly wrong, it's blatantly wrong. Don't tell me about another call three plays earlier or a quarter earlier. Tell me, oh, that justifies that. No, it's a bad call. Are you a fan? Are you, are you, are you just going to be, again, a person that sits there and just blindly, blindly watches the game and thinks, every call is going my, the way my football team wants it? I'm going to say it's a bad call. No, be a fan. Be a knowledgeable one and know that there are bad calls that go for and against. That's how it is. That's how it always is. Look, man, I could sit here and, and, <laughs> and, and be a, a guy that's going to tell you, well, if that guy was still on our team, you know, he'd be, he'd be doing so many things bad. But he goes to another team and he's doing so many things great. When he was with us, he couldn't play. No. That's just how it is. Any team, any fan can say that. Any fan can lose a play and that player goes somewhere else and all of a sudden that player plays well. No, that's not how it works. Again, open your eyes, not your heart. Open your eyes to know that, again, you are a fan. Be a fan. Be a knowledgeable fan that knows when it's a bad call 
and it's, it's that's it. It's a bad call. Don't tell me it's a bad one. But you know, there were six more earlier that went against us. And that's one of the main reasons why. That's one of the main reasons why <laughs> I don't watch games in public. <laughs> I'm telling you right now <laughs> because that's the kind of stuff you hear, dude. Yeah. And listen, it's not just football. <laughs> I've been out. I've been out plenty of times watching lightning games, man. God bless the Tampa Bay area. You know what I mean? Two-time champs, sure. Three-time Eastern Conference Finals champs, back to back to back. You sit there and watch a game out at a bar full of lightning fans, yelling, screaming about a not or not call. You know, you hear it in the press box at Amley. The press box is open. You got fans right below you. It's different than how it is at Ray J. You hear it. There. I mean, I get it. You, I mean, again, I understand. You, that's your team. Your that home team, but you're watching the whole game, right? That's why I say open your eyes. You watch the whole game. You watch this ref blow calls, right? That's how yeah. it is. They're blowing calls. So you know, and that's and that, again, that goes for Atlanta too. Because Atlanta wants to sit there and say, oh, that game, that, that, that blown call changed the whole game. And we, we, hold on. Even if you get that call, you got to score. Yep. That sack didn't take seven points off the field. Yep. Okay? So I, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, they missed a, pen, they missed a penalty on, on, uh, on whomever team that, that the Lightning are playing. All right? Oh, they missed a penalty call on him. Okay. But even if they gave me the penalty... Will you guarantee to score on a power play? Maybe, maybe not. Again, open your eyes because bad calls come from the, from the team that you root for and the team that you're rooting against. That's how it is. Oh, this umpire is bad. He's lousy. Same thing. I can't watch race games out, dude. Because, <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, I, lo- I love to be out. I am for the people. Started the podcast telling you I am for the people, but that when it comes to watching games in public, ooh, you hear some things you're like, did you not just see the last six innings where the young pilot's calling that same pitch a strike? <laughs> yep, it's it's in everything for sure. Now I mentioned I was gonna talk about how I don't see this getting any better anytime soon. There's a lot of pressure externally and even internally from the players in the NFL wanting the NFL to kind of change their tune and loosen up in terms of these roughing the passer penalties. But I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think we're going to see more of these calls like we saw on Grady Jarrett. And I think that a big part of it, I think that there are so many dominoes over what happened to Tua Tagovailoa over the past couple, couple weeks. I think when you see injuries like that, I think that that's why the NFL is so strict on on these kind of things and do the refs need to have better judgment 100 percent in my opinion but i think that you mentioned talking about byron leftwich and his play calling and how he has it in the back of his mind that he doesn't want to be the guy that gets tom brady hurt these refs i think especially when you're in a situation right now you don't want to end up in a situation where you have another injury like to a tag of ILO and you didn't throw a flag on it. So I think that this, I don't know if this is ever going to get better and we're going to see where we're going to see people saying, Oh, the NFL's not being soft on 
quarterback penalties. I don't see this getting better anytime soon. If anything, I think we're going to see more calls like the one on Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know that a, a ref would be kind of, I guess, you know, wanted to want to throw more flags because he's trying to avoid what happened that Thursday night game with Tua Tagovailoa. That that was an instance where you had a player who played four days after having the injury that he had the previous week. That's one thing. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, I think it's in the back of their mind. I don't think that it's at the forefront. Maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know that I agree to that. But if you're, if you're seeing the egregious hits, like the one that Tua took that Thursday night, and look, we don't know if that hit would have given him what occurred from that hit anyway, based over that being the only hit that he took. If he took that only hit on Thursday night, it didn't ha- wouldn't happen on Sunday against Buffalo hadn't happened. We don't know that he would have had the same reaction physically when he's on the field, on his back, trying to find his fingers, so to speak, feelings in his fingers. We don't know that he be, would have been caught it off or stretch it off if he, you know, if, if that was only the first time he got hit so hard this year. We don't know that. So another quarterback potentially could get hit like that. I don't think that any ref, any ref is gunshot when it comes to calling that type of penalty. When it comes to the stuff that happened this weekend, either on Monday night in the Kansas City or Vegas game, or whether it was in the Tampa Bay Falcons game. I think the Kansas City one was a little less egregious. That one, like you've seen calls like that with the defender putting all of their weight onto the player. Listen, you're talking about... And either call, you can call less egregious than the other one. Okay, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. Ultimately, for me, is you're talking about a 300-pound-plus player in full movement. I mean, anybody that stood on the sidelines and watched an NFL game, the time and the speed of the game, I am talking, when I say time, I'm talking about Something can happen in less than three seconds, and boom. Think about this. Tom Brady's good for this. He's tall as offensive lineman. All you got to do is give me three seconds. The ball's coming out. One, two, three. In those three seconds, you know what just happened? Tom Brady took a snap, went back, okay, looked and found an open receiver and got rid of the football. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. Three one thousand. That's how fast the game is. So now you're asking a player who is three hundred plus pounds, who just beat a guy that's been trying to keep him from getting to the quarterback, and he's in full motion going one way. In a matter of those seconds I just mentioned, how quickly things do, and you expect him to be able physically to be able to avoid landing on a quarterback, that's not going to happen. If you tell me he throws him down the way Tua got those two times and once in Miami in the Buffalo game and the Thursday night game, he was thrown down both times. But in the situation in KC and the situation here in Tampa Bay, there was no power move made by the defensive 
linemen. None. All he did was sack and land on the quarterback. And again, after he's beaten a man that had been trying to keep him from getting to his quarterback and in a sense, moving like a damn vehicle on one motion straight ahead. And you want this guy to stop in mid-motion? It's not going to happen. They need to stop making those type of calls because that's part of the daggone game. If everybody's beating up Troy Aikman for saying what he's saying, turning this into, you know, uh, well, he said they were wearing dresses, so that makes people who wear dresses weak. Eh. Oh, <laughs> we're playing in the National Football League. I'm sorry, but other than potentially signing, who was it? The soccer player that was going to kick for whomever team that she was trying out for. Was it, was it Carrie Lloyd? Okay. Yeah. Other than, other than Carrie Lloyd, okay, that was potentially. Carly gonna, Lloyd. Yeah. Carly Lloyd, I'm sorry. Other than Carly Lloyd, who was potentially going to get a kick, you know, a trial for, for being a kicker. Other than that, I'm sorry, but there haven't been no women that played in the NFL. All right. So. He's not saying that all people that wear dresses are weak. I didn't take it that way. Don't take it that way. Stop being weak. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with I'm, people. Just people go overboard on on those things, and and in today's society, it just it just Again. happens. And some Again. some are warranted, some are not. This when one wasn't. I don't care No, no, I'm with you. I I, I not I to mention the fact that you're talking about a guy. You're talking about a guy that had, that had who's had recorded, recorded 30 plus concussions. Yeah, a guy league. whose career was cut short and impacted probably more than anyone else. Of Hall of Fame quarterback that had 30 plus that we, and he knows about, that he knows about, let alone all the other ones that he don't even know he suffered. Okay, so if that guy says that, he didn't say anything wrong to begin with, in my eyes. Anybody in Bucks Nation, you listen to this and you think otherwise, God bless you. Be with God, okay? I ain't, I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting that argument with you. I'm not doing it, okay? Elmar810, tweet me all you want. I'm going to give you a response. If you get stupid and crazy, I'm just going, I'm gone. I'm out, okay? I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that because you're just looking, at, you're just looking for, for, for some attention. <laughs> Go get a hug, Um but when it comes to what he said in regards to wearing dresses, again, I'll tell, I'll say it again. The National Football League, okay, has how many women women that play in it? Zero. Okay, so men play in the league. That's all he was saying. Men play in the league. If you want to wear, if you're a woman and you wear a dress, that doesn't make you weak. That just means that you don't play football. That's all it means. Let's get into this weekend. The Bucks head to. The stadium formerly known as Heinz Field. I don't even know what the new sponsor is. It's just tragic. Um, Aquishore, 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 something like that. Just like Staples Center will always be Staples Center to me. Um, oh, no, man. That's a, what is it now? Crypto.com. Yeah. Um, Crypto.com, baby. The, the Bucks. Like I, said, are, I think it's Aquishore, something like that, man. A C R I S U R E. The Bucks are heading to Pittsburgh to face a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett and a team that will be without their top three cornerbacks and their best safety and other than TJ Watt, probably their best defensive player in Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, 
Lynn. The Bucks are dealing with a couple of injuries in the secondary as well. Logan Ryan and Sean Murphy Bunting have both been ruled out for, for Sunday as well. But when you're in a situation where uh, you're ha- one team is without two guys and they're facing a rookie quarterback versus a team without their top three corners and their, and their best safety and you're facing the greatest quarterback of all time and you're, you only have one win on the season, I think it could be a long day for Pittsburgh Steeler fans. I don't expect to see a ton of terrible towel waving. I want to do this more on each week's show. I want to look at the, the lines and stuff like that and give you a bet to look at. Bucks team total over 27 and a half on Sunday in Pittsburgh. I like it. Thank you very much. Thanks for that betting tip. I don't know why you went there, but I mean, okay. They, they should have scored 27 in, in Raymond James this past weekend and didn't. So you might want to hold off on that prediction um, because when it goes wrong, <laughs> it'll be on you. <laughs> but in regards to this game is concerned, a lot of what you said is true. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh's banged up. Not only that, you mentioned Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, and, and granted folks like you, Thought before, you know, week six, he'd have a job. He's got it. It's his job. But, I mean, he threw 13 passes against the Jets. His, his first action as a pro, he threw three interceptions. All right. So he's got those growing pants. Not only that, he threw a pick last week. His team's failed to score a touchdown with him at quarterback. So, you know, there's not a lot going on offensively when it comes to the Steelers. They're one and four. I mean, people thought they were still a solid football team. You know, you could have a game manager in Trubisky being your quarterback when it's before the season started. That was the attitude that they, you know, they would vie for a playoff spot. That's not happening in the Pittsburgh this year, dude. And Mike Tomlin, for as good of a coach that he's been in Pittsburgh, I think the time comes where he has his first under 500 season. Lynn. That the Bucks, obviously, Bucks fans are always going to have their eyes on that game. But there are two games this weekend that could play a big factor in determining who ultimately ends up with home field advantage in the AFC and the NFC. And I want to ask you, what team out of the four teams in these marquee matchups we're going to learn the most about this weekend? You got Kansas City playing Buffalo, where Buffalo is a favorite over uh over kansas city at arrowhead stadium something that you rarely ever see especially in the patrick mahomes era and then sunday night football the final undefeated team in the league in the philadelphia eagles faces a cowboys team who hasn't lost since they played the buccaneers what team are we going to learn the most about this weekend i'm not even thinking about that nfc east matchup i mean it's a facade what dallas has been able to do since since Prescott's gone out, look at the teams they've beaten. I mean, granted, the New York Giants are four and one, but the New York Giants are being held together by band-aids when it comes to their offense. I mean, you and I can go out there and probably be third or fourth on the depth chart when it comes to wide receivers on that football team. I mean, they got a guy named Rick James catching patches for them. Um, it's actually Richie James, but I, I'm going with Rick James, like Mark Sanchez, <laughs> when they were in London beating the Green Bay Packers. The thing that the team that I'm going to find out about this week is, is Buffalo. This is Buffalo. This is, this is theoretically, this could be their kryptonite. And it also could be their 
their start to their Super Bowl run. And the reason why I say that is these teams end up with the same record at the end of the year. And KC loses to Buffalo. <laughs> Guess where KC's going come January? Orchard <laughs> Park. Burr. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you played, okay, maybe Green Bay or Chicago. But other than those two places, you're not talk, you're not trying to go to Buffalo in in, in uh, January. Remember those scenes from before the Monday night game last year against the Patriots? Yeah, yeah. the wind too is crazy. Like Kansas City, it gets cold, but you don't see the wind like you do in Buffalo. I know folks that might be listening to this might throw out other cities, so I'll give them to you. I'll give you Cincinnati, right? I'll give you Green Bay. I'll give you Chicago. All right. There's a few cities like that. That's, you know, there might be, like I said, there might be four of the NFL teams that that would be like, okay, we're going to Buffalo. It's going to be cold, but it'd be cold here, right? It'd be cold in their own home park too in January. But there, there aren't a lot. There are not a lot. Okay. You think you think the Vegas Raiders are trying to go to Buffalo in, in, in a divisional round to go to Buffalo come January? Heck no. All right. You think the LA Chargers are trying to do that? Heck no. All right. So this is this is a test for Buffalo. If they can win this football game on Sunday night, and I'm not saying they will, but if they do, this could lead to them having home field. And for everyone, everyone in AFC, you want to get to the Super Bowl, you got to come to Buffalo and beat us. When we're recording this on Friday evening, last night the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears, another stinker on Thursday. No, 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 man. It's all good football. Remember, you know, parody doesn't mean it's all bad football. Parody doesn't mean it's all bad football. Is there any is there any fixing Thursday night football? Because a lot of times, even when it's better matchups, you haven't seen a ton of barn burners or classic games on Thursday night. We've got Bucks Ravens in a couple weeks, which I think a lot of people will look forward to, but it's, I mean, is Thursday night football what it is? Is it, is it an inferior product no matter who's playing just because of the short week? Two things. One is Bucks Ravens is nice from a historic standpoint, based off of Tom's history, that dude's history with the Ravens back in his AFC days. I don't know. I don't know how much of a matchup it'll be come that Thursday night. This is not Sunday night, Mahomes versus Brady, although it is Lamar. But Lamar's kind of, last couple of weeks, has kind of had some bad outings, so to speak. Um, but as far as the Thursday night's concerned, here's part of the problem. The requirement for teams to have a primetime game. That's the problem. It's a scheduling issue. It's a scheduling issue. But... You know, it's like a survival pool, dude. Thursday night football is like a survival pool. <laughs> so, so, so you gotta, you gotta be like looking at the worst teams in the league to see who they're playing and be like, okay, I'm gonna pick them this week. Why? Because they're playing Pittsburgh. They're playing the Texans. They're they're playing the teams that's got one win. Thursday night football is the same way. We gotta put them on TV. They're in the NFL. So here they go. 
prime time, put them on Thursday night because, you know, Thursday night as opposed to Sunday night when more folks are watching because they're watching the whole day of football. So here it is. Put the bad football survival, <laughs> survival pool, survival pool equals Thursday night football, dude. That's what it is. You got to, you got to pick a team in the survival pool. And usually I know when I was in them, I would pick the team that's playing the worst team in the league. Thursday night football, ugh, just throw them on Thursday night. Worst team in the league, they got to be on prime time. Throw them out there on Thursday night. I think it's very fitting for Thursday night football that the most prolific player in the history of Thursday night football is now the 7-0 Carson Wentz on Thursday night football. It's just very fitting for what Thursday night football is. Yeah. And, and you saw how he got his last win last night. Yeah. Right? You saw how he got his last win last night where his coach just last week or Sunday was asked about his quarterback or his team and asked what is the difference between your team and the more successful teams in the NFC East and he said quarterback and now he's walked that back and I'm talking about Ron Rivera yo Ron you're the one that said it dude we've been in press conferences right yeah okay we ask a question you're, that's your answer so don't be getting mad at the media because the media ran with it. Do you just ask you a question? That's your problem. One thing Bucks fans don't have to worry about is a quarterback because they have the greatest of all time. We'll be back wow. next next week <laughs> to talk about I'm trying to get them hurt. To talk about what happens Sunday in Pittsburgh and look ahead to next week. Until then, he is Lim Martez. Follow him on Twitter at Lmar810. I am Trey Downey. Follow me at TD Experience and check out BucksNation.com. On a daily basis, people. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.